Back in the day when my girls were born, it was not easy to share photos and videos with loved ones, but you have a fantastic option available, the Family Album app. The Family Album app was created in 2015 and has operated in the long term to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with loved ones. It's a totally secure personal haven for your family's memories. I love that there's no third-party ads, no unwanted eyes. Now, let me share some of the great features that make the Family Album app a go-to app. First off, the app automatically sorts photos and videos by month, allowing you to swipe back in time and see how your child has grown. No more scrolling through endless feeds or searching through folders. Another cool feature about the Family Album app is you can order eight free photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. It's really nice to have some tangible pictures to hold onto or share to document each month of your baby's life. Plus, the Family Album app has unlimited storage and it is totally free. Yes, you heard that right. No more worrying about running out of space or being bombarded by ads when you're just trying to relive those heartwarming moments. So if you are still trying to use other messaging apps for your kids' photos, it is time to level up your family photo game with a free photo sharing app. Head over to the App Store today, search Family Album, it's all one word, download the app and start creating a legacy of love one photo at a time. Don't let diaper rash come between you and your baby. Diaper rash can be one of the worst experiences your little one has to go through and keeping their delicate skin happy and healthy shouldn't require a spatula to apply thick, goopy treatments that can be just as irritating and uncomfortable as the diaper rash. Instead, try Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician approved skin protectant free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide. It was developed by a mom who is also a doctor when she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash. Use just a small amount of Dr. Mom Butt Balm to help soothe your baby's skin and feel good about making the right choice. Nothing comes between you and your baby, not even diaper rash. Check out Dr. Mom Butt Balm, available on Amazon or walmart.com. This is a birth story episode where things didn't go exactly as anticipated. Megan had something called pups, cholestasis, and a vacuum-assisted birth, but she was ultimately very satisfied with her experience, and you're going to hear all about that in the episode. Welcome to the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast. I'm Dr. Nicole Calloway-Rankins, a board-certified OBGYN who's been in practice for nearly 15 years. I've had the privilege of helping over 1,000 babies into this world, and I'm here to help you be calm, confident, and empowered to have a beautiful pregnancy and birth. Quick note, this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice. Check out the full disclaimer at drnicolerankins.com forward slash disclaimer. Now let's get to it. Hello there. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. This is episode number 182. Thank you for being here with me today. 
In today's episode, we have a great birth story with Megan. Megan is a mother to Noah and wife to Joel. They are a military family currently located in the national capital region. She is a social worker by training and is passionate about mental health and helping people in trauma recovery. Megan enjoys reading, baking, and painting. She is here today to share her experience of moving cross-country during her pregnancy, having to find a new OB, and then needing to be induced at 39 weeks after being diagnosed with something called PUPS, P-U-P-P-S, and cholestasis. And although things didn't go exactly as she would have liked, she was ultimately very happy with her experience, and she says a big part of that was because of the education that she got from being a member of the birth preparation course. If you haven't heard of it, the birth preparation course is my online childbirth education class. And it is designed to make sure you are calm, confident, and empowered going into your birth, no matter what the circumstances are. Because as you'll hear, birth is an unpredictable process. And so much of being able to ride those waves of unpredictability is being prepared and being knowledgeable and being ready with education. And that is exactly what you get inside of the birth preparation course. You get childbirth education created by me, an OBGYN who's been in practice for a long, long time. I graduated from medical school 20 years ago, um, have delivered well over a thousand babies. And I put my heart, soul, everything into this course to make sure you are really ready for hospital birth. And that's what I know, hospital birth. So that is what I teach. And the course covers everything from mindset to everything about labor and birth, possible things that may happen like a vacuum birth, which you'll find out that's what happened with Megan today. And then things to get you started in the postpartum period, questions to ask, tons of good, great stuff. So check out the birth story episode. And then after that, go check out the birth preparation course. It's drnicolerankins.com forward slash enroll. All right, let's get into this birth story episode with Megan. Thank you so much, Megan, for agreeing to come onto the podcast. I am so excited to have you here. Thank you so much. I am very, very excited to be here today. Yeah, so why don't you start off by telling us a bit about yourself and your family? So um, I have been married for five years to my wonderful, incredible husband, Joel. Um, we have a 10-month-old son who is just the best. His name uh-huh. is Noah. Um, we're a military family. So, okay. um, we just moved to the national capital region. We're just outside of DC. Okay. Um, and before that we were in Maryland or excuse me, we were in, um, California. So we spent several years in California and now we're in Maryland. Um, I'm a social worker by training. I'm okay. currently staying home uh, with Noah and hanging out with him. And that's been a real joy. Um, but I'm a social worker by training. I'm really passionate about mental health and, um, helping people recover from trauma. So that's mm. kind of my calling. And I, I, I miss doing that and I'm excited to get back into that hopefully here, um, in the future. Um, when I, uh, when I have free time, I know, um, taking care of a kiddo is a lot of work, but when yes, I have some is. free time, um, <laughs> I enjoy baking. I really enjoy, um, I've actually been reading a lot, which is surprising. Oh. Um, I thought once I had a kid that I wasn't going to be able to do that, but right. I've actually probably read more this year than I have, um, ever before. Oh, and that's cool. 
Yeah. And I'm also, I've become a pro napper. So I'm, I'm of the philosophy <laughs> that when the baby naps, I nap. So usually in the afternoon, you can find us both taking a nap at our gotcha, house. <laughs> gotcha. And you can, you can turn it on when you need to. Yes, yes. 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 All right. So let's hop right into it. So first, in order to understand what the birth is like, I think we always have to talk about what the pregnancy and the pregnancy care was like. So what was your pregnancy and prenatal care like? Yeah. So mine was actually kind of interesting because I moved in the middle of my pregnancy. So we were in California when I found out I was pregnant and we were there basically through my first trimester. Okay. And I was seeing an OB, just a single OB. Um, and I had actually seen her, um, the year prior, um, when I had a miscarriage, I had a miscarriage at uh, seven weeks Mm. and, um, she was, fantastic, um, through that process. And so I obviously stuck with her. And so I saw her for my first trimester of care and she was really great. Um, she was very, she would answer any of the questions that I had. She was very warm, but I discovered that she wasn't going to necessarily like volunteer or educate me myself. Like she was going to answer the questions that I had, but she wasn't going to volunteer a lot of information. So I had to know the questions to ask. Gotcha. Um, so that was, I learned that very early on. Um, and then we moved, like I said, at the end of my first trimester and I had no idea, like we had never lived in the area. And Mm -hmm. so I was looking for recommendations from people, um, that were local that had, that had, you know, enjoyed their providers. So I went with a group and I, I don't think I realized this when I first showed up, but it was a group of um, OB-GYNs, nurse practitioners and PAs. And so I didn't see the same person Mm -hmm. like at all. Like I, every time I went in, it was a different person. And so I wasn't expecting that and I didn't love that. And so I had a conversation very early on when I had transferred my care and, um, I said, okay, like who's eligible to deliver my baby, you know? And so they kind of explained like which providers were available the front desk at that office was fantastic because they were able to schedule me with all of the doctors that were eligible to deliver. She's like, you okay. know, we never know who it's going to be because that's right. on call and, you know, right. babies come when babies want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was able to meet with a lot of the doctors. Um, but it turns out the, the doctor that ended up delivering Noah, I had never met him before. So, you okay. know, I did, <laughs> I did my best. Um, and it, it didn't quite work out how I envisioned it, but, um, and I found the same thing was true once we had moved that, you know, they were going to answer any questions that I had, but I had to know the questions to ask. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. so I gotcha. kind of, um, I took it upon myself to be, to educate myself as much as I could. Right. Um, so what, what did you do? What did you do to prepare yeah, for the process? Yeah. So when I moved, I was in my second trimester and I was like, okay, now's a good time to like, you know, start exploring what birth looks like, what labor looks like. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I found the birth preparation course and I was like, everybody needs to take this because oh. this is amazing. <laughs> um, so I, I went through that myself. Um, I think later in my second trimester, I can't remember mm-hmm. exactly. Um, and I went through all the modules and I, it was really, really helpful. So I did that. I read, um, Ina May's guide mm-hmm. to childbirth. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, when I couldn't sleep in the middle of the night, that was what I was up reading. <laughs> um, 
And we did do um, labor and delivery education through our hospital. Mm -hmm. It was still virtual because of the pandemic, you know, lingering. So it was like a four week virtual class that my husband and I did together. And um, it was, it was good. It just wasn't super organized. Mm -hmm. That was one of the things that I really enjoyed about the birth preparation course was like, it's very clearly like outlined it, like the succession of things made sense to me. And this, the, the hospital was great in its own right, but it was just a very different type of education. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. So we did that. And then I watched, I don't know how many like birth documentaries on YouTube, like just like <laughs> birth vlogs, people out there, you know, like, okay, my water broke and I'm going through contractions and right. now we're going to the hospital. So right. I watched a lot of that right. um, for more of the experiential piece of it, not necessarily like the data and the facts and that kind of thing. Um, so I did a lot of that kind of research. Um, yeah, you, you, you were prepared like you. Yeah. 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 And I'm sure some of that was probably me trying to birth is such an unknown thing when you're a first time Mm -hmm. mom and Mm -hmm. you know, people can tell you like, Oh, this is what it's like, but you just have no clue, you know, until you're there. And so I think that was my way of trying to take some of the unknown out of it was to prepare myself and, you know, educate myself as best I could for what was going to come. Gotcha. And it sounds like you, you did just that. And I want to go back to it. Um, you know, what you were saying about your prenatal care, because something uh, stuck out to me that you, you really had to take it upon yourself to get the things out of it that you needed. And it wasn't that anybody was mean or anything. Part of it right. is probably just a way, unfortunately, that practices sort of work in the way that we, I don't think anybody intentionally like leaves things out, but um, it sounds like if you hadn't brought up questions, if you hadn't said, hey, can I be scheduled to meet all of the potential people that those things wouldn't have happened? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, I, I I can empathize because I think when you've, you're in a field and you know, like, you know what you know, you mm-hmm. don't necessarily know what other people don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, it, it can be hard, you know, when you have somebody who's new to your field, who doesn't know a lot, you just kind of assume that they know things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was hard um, having to like, you know, come in with my list of questions every sure. appointment. Right. And, and, right. Um, but I, I was, I tried to be, I tried to work from a place of empowerment and really advocate for myself for the things that I wanted and the things that I needed. So Absolutely. Um, absolutely. I love it. Love it. Love it. Did you know that 95% of pregnant women are not getting their recommended daily intake of key omega-3s? Enter Ritual. Their prenatal contains 350 milligrams of eco-friendly vegan omega-3 DHA in every serving. One of the reasons I like Ritual is that it's a female-founded B Corp, meaning they are holding themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. In addition to those omega-3 DHAs to support baby's brain development, Ritual also has choline and methylated folate to support baby's neural tube development. And the capsules feature a delayed release design to help make it gentle on an empty stomach. 
Why settle for a multivitamin you're not 100% sure about? Ritual was literally built on trust, so you know it's the real deal. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com forward slash Dr. Nicole. Start Ritual or add a Central for Women prenatal to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash Dr. Nicole for 25% off. So what, what are some of the things that you wanted for your birth? Um, so I, what I wanted and what ended up happening were very different things. <laughs> um, but I, my, I didn't have a lot of like super specific things. It was more mm-hmm. just kind of broad brushstrokes. Um, I was hoping to labor at home as long as I could and then go to the hospital. I want, I guess my overarching theme was kind of minimal medical intervention, but I'm not against medical intervention. Sure. Um, so like for an epidural, I was like, I'm going to labor as long as I can. And mm-hmm. then if I can do it without an epidural, great. And if I can't, that's okay. Um, so I was kind of minimal intervention. That was kind of the, the goal. Um, and I just really wanted to connect with my providers and like, as anybody in a situation like that wants to be treated with dignity. And that, Absolutely. and that definitely did happen. I, I will say like that, all the providers, like all of the nurses, all the doctors that I encountered over my very lengthy labor, um, they were all fantastic. And so, like I said, I didn't have a ton of like real specific things that I wanted. Uh-huh. Um, but just kind of, a, I wanted it to be more natural and not necessarily like that was one of the things I learned when I was researching and learning is like, I think a lot of people tend to treat pregnancy as like a medical condition right. versus like a natural part of life. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So yes. I think yes. I fell in the camp of like recognizing like this is a natural part of life, but like for sure, like, you know, relying on medical intervention as needed. Yeah. 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 So then what happened with your labor and birth? Let's talk through it all. Yeah. So I had a relatively like uncomplicated, very easy pregnancy until mm-hmm. I hit like 37 weeks. Okay. And at about 37 weeks, I, I like, I hadn't had stretch marks anywhere on my body until 37 weeks. And then <laughs> these stretch marks popped up and like, literally overnight, I started getting this rash inside of my stretch marks. And I was mm. like, what is this? And I'm so itchy. And so I went into my provider and I said, Hey, look, like, here's what's going on. I'm super itchy. Please right. help me. Right. And so the provider that I saw, she was like, Oh, this looks like something called pups. And I was mm-hmm. like, what is that? What, what are you talking and so, about? Right. right. <laughs> and so she kind of explained it to me and She's like, you know, if you have itching that spreads to other parts of your body, call us back and let us know. And she's like, basically, there's not much we can do for you. Like just, you know, um, like hydrocortisone cream and and that's kind of it. So I was like, okay. So I went home. And let me ask, how bad was it? Was it like really? It was bad. It was yeah. bad. It was real bad. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was real bad. I looked, mm-hmm. actually took a picture and I looked back at it and I was like, Oh, like that's bad. Right. Like that does right. not look comfortable. Right. And so within I would say probably 48 hours after I had been to the doctor, like my entire body mm-hmm. is itching. Like my mm-hmm. whole body. And and like severe itching. And you and can't so, not scratch like you just Yeah, you can't not scratch it. And so I was 
like, cause I didn't want to like break my skin. Obviously I knew that wasn't like a good way to go. So I was right. taking like dish towels and like rubbing my stomach. Like, Ooh. you know, it was very, very uncomfortable. And I tried, I tried everything. I tried what, like, what did you try? I, we, I tried, um, I got a recommendation from my nurse to do like an oatmeal bath. Mm-hmm. So I tried an oatmeal bath mm-hmm. and the hot water would not gel with my skin. I was that like, was I'm on fire. It was not it. Um, I tried doing hydrocortisone cream. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried, oh gosh, I, the only thing that really my, like slightly helped was ice packs. And it's like the middle of winter and I am just like laying on the couch, like just <laughs> covered in ice packs. Oh. Like that was really the only thing that helped me right. get any kind of relief. So right. I had like a rotating, right. you know. Right thing of ice packs on my body. And, and did, so did I you went try Benadryl or anything. Or? Um, I did try Benadryl. Yes, okay. I did try Benadryl and that was not helpful. Nothing. Um, okay. so I finally, I went into my doctor again. I said, look, y'all, something is not right. Like right. we've got to do something. So the right. doctor, I remember her saying very clearly, she's like, well, I don't think it's cholestasis, but on like the 1% chance that it is like, uh-huh. let's go ahead and do your blood work. And I right. said, okay, great. Sure. And so my test results came back, um, the day after Thanksgiving. So everything was kind of on holiday hours, you know? (laughs) And so I get my results back and turns out I had cholestasis. So they called me in and they said, Hey, you know, can you come in for, um, an ultrasound and to do a stress test to like, see how baby's doing. Right. I was like, okay. So I like rushed to get to the hospital and And this was the day after Thanksgiving. This is the day after Thanksgiving. And like my mom was in town and we were trying to coordinate. It was, it was chaos. (laughs) It was chaos. Um, so I go to the hospital for my stress test and everything was fine. Like baby was fine. I was fine. So that was Friday and they made the decision to induce me on Monday. And Mm -hmm. so I was hoping and praying. I was like, please let me go into labor naturally. Please let me go into labor naturally. (laughs) So I was walking and doing all the things. I was only, I was just shy of 39 weeks when I found out I had cholestasis. So, um, so I, like I said, I was hoping that I was going to go into labor naturally, but I was just so miserable from all the itching that I was like, I can't like, I just need something. I need some kind of relief. Right. right. So I went in on Monday morning at 7am. Well, before that I was like, I know I'm need to eat a good breakfast because I'm going to be in labor. Mm -hmm. I had my sight set on IHOP and it was a 24 hour IHOP and we showed up and it was closed. (laughs) And I was, I was so like, what is going on? Right. I was so sad. I was so sad. So I was like, this is not a good sign. Like, this is not going to go well. Anyway, so we get to the hospital and they, you know, they check me in and everything and they wanted to start Pitocin pretty much right away. And were you already dilated some or? Yeah. So let me back up. So I was dilated to three centimeters. Okay. And so I was very excited about that. Um, That was on the Friday when I found out I had, like, mm-hmm. I got my cholestasis diagnosis and they knew they were going to induce me. And so I was like, okay, this is not at all what I thought it was going to be. Right. Um, so over the weekend, my husband and I both sat down and watched the induction module <laughs> on the birth preparation course. Cause I was right. like, okay, like this is the route we're going. Like, right. let's, you know, like let's do the things. And so I showed up to the hospital and they immediately wanted to start on Pitocin. 
And so I asked, I said, look, I'm trying to do like a gradual on-ramp to this. Like I'm not trying to, you know, have all the big drugs right out right. the gate. And so I asked um, about a Foley bulb and I asked about like Cytotec. And so they said that I wouldn't be a good candidate for a Foley bulb because I was already dilated um, to three centimeters. Mm-hmm. But they were like, we can do Cytotec if you want um, and like reassess, you know, in a few hours. So I was really proud of myself that I was able to advocate for myself yeah. um, to get, like I said, what I wanted because like, I wanted a gradual, sure. you know, on-ramp. So I had Cytotec and I was having contractions when I was admitted to the hospital, but I wasn't feeling them. Like they were mm-hmm. reading on the monitor, but I wasn't feeling them. Mm-hmm. So they gave me Cytotec about 830 and I was hanging out and they were like, yeah, you're like, you're not, you're not there yet. Like you're right. having contractions, but I'm like bouncing and playing Yahtzee with my husband <laughs> and like, you know, <laughs> like not knowing what is to come. Um, right. So the doctor came back like that afternoon, early afternoon and said, you know, okay, let's go ahead and start Pitocin. I said, great, sounds good. So they gradually titrated me up on Pitocin mm-hmm. and um, probably around, it, it it gradually increased till about midnight. Um, and at that point I was just getting so impatient. I was so like, just from the itching and from yeah. just being like, you know, I was like, okay, like let's move this along. So, um, they had offered to rupture my membranes a couple of times and uh-huh. I declined, uh-huh. but then when they came in at midnight, I was like, sure, go for right. it. Like, let's right. do it. <laughs> right. Um, right. so they ruptured my membranes around midnight and I was like, and, and labor really, really kicked in at that point. And I was like, okay, like this this is what I have been preparing for. Mm -hmm. This is, you know, this is it. And Mm -hmm. so, um, I labored for about four hours, um, unmedicated and just, you know, did the best that I could breathing and moving around and being on the bouncy ball. Like I tried all of those things. And then I just got to a point, I was like, okay, I would really like the doctor to come check me if I'm close. Right. We'll keep going. If I'm not close, we're going to have to do something because okay. I can't do this. So gotcha. they checked me at like four in the morning and I was only at six centimeters. And I was, don't say, I mean, don't, that was great progress, <laughs> but I mean, I know, I know I was, I was, I was happy that I had progressed, right? but I was like, it my, was... my threshold for like pain tolerance is rapidly declining. So, um, so I, I decided to opt for an epidural and in hindsight, I'm very glad that I did that. That Mm -hmm. was the right choice for me. Mm -hmm. It was a very emotional decision. Um, I like cried and cried and bless the anesthesiologist. She was incredible. She was so great. Um, and she was so patient and calm and like, she was amazing, but I was like, I was a wreck. I was like, you're going to stick a needle in my back. Like it was, it was a big deal for me. And I'm sure your Um, nurse was probably helping you too in the moment to kind of like, yes. Yeah. To help kind of calm me down. Right. And so I got my epidural at like 4.30 in the morning. And honestly, I really don't remember a lot from like 4.30 in the morning till I started pushing at like 2 p.m. Okay. I think I slept. Did you fall asleep? Yeah. I think (laughs) I slept um, off and on. Um, My husband was like, I was awake the whole time watching you. And I was like, well, that's great because I was not awake watching you. (laughs) Like, (laughs) um. So yeah, things kind of progressed. And then around two o'clock, they came to check me and I was complete. And I was like, yes, let's 
let's do it. We're finally right. like this is because I feel like when you're in labor like that, before you get into transition, like you're just kind of passively letting things happen. But mm-hmm. then when you start to push, mm-hmm. it was very empowering actually. Right. Like I was like, right. okay, like I can actually do something to really like help move this along. Right. Oh, let me so, ask before that time when yeah. the nurse is like moving you in different positions or um, like the peanut ball or any of those things? So I didn't use the peanut ball. The peanut ball did come into play um, while I was pushing, but I didn't use that a ton, but I was able to like on my side. Uh-huh. Um, I think they did help, even though I had the epidural, I think they let me get on the birth ball at mm. one point just to okay. kind of bounce. I think I, again, okay. the world, kind sure. of, you know, sure. It goes a little hazy when you're in right. labor, um, but they were helping me move around um, and kind of, you know, reclining, sitting up, like okay. that kind of thing. They, okay. they were helping me do that. And so they come in, they say, hey, you're complete. We can start pushing. And I was like, great. And the labor and delivery nurse that was there, she was fantastic. My only gripe with her. And I'm okay. like, if you're a labor and delivery nurse listening to this, mm-hmm. don't say this to your patients. I pushed like the, my first two contractions and she's right. like, oh, you're doing so great. She's like, your baby's going to be here in like 30 minutes. Like you're um, going to be like, you're going to be totally fine. Like your baby's going to be here so soon. Right. So I'm like, okay, 30 minutes. And I pushed for two and a half hours. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I- <laughs> Okay. So yeah. you were, you hit when you heard that it just you got excited like okay this is it's not much longer and then and then it was a lot longer. It was a lot. Yes. Okay. And so it was weird like it didn't it didn't feel like two and a half hours to me. It definitely felt longer than 30 minutes cuz I sure. was like, you know, okay, where's the baby? <laughs> right. Um but it didn't feel quite as long. Uh, but I was just reaching the point of exhaustion. Like mm-hmm. I just, I, I had nothing left to give, mm-hmm. and I actually was starting to consider like asking for a C-section because okay. I just like it was, it was exhausting. Okay, and I okay. actually I would have a contraction, and then I would fall asleep. Okay, and then I would wake up and push, and then I would fall asleep. Like gotcha. I was just my body gotcha. was like. You gotcha. know, gotcha. so the doctor came in and he obviously saw that I was very tired mm-hmm. and he, but he was really great. He was very calm. Mm-hmm. He was very direct mm-hmm. and very uh, concise, which is mm-hmm. great to have when you're in the throes of labor. Uh, and he asked if I would be interested in a vacuum assisted delivery. Okay. And thanks to all the education and doing the birth preparation course, I already knew what that was. Mm -hmm. And so I asked him, I remember very clearly asking him, okay, talk to me about vacuum assisted delivery. What does that look like? What does that do for, you know, my push time? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, talk to me about that. And he, you know, he explained the process and it matched up with what I had learned before I had gone into the hospital. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yes, anything to help me get this baby out would be wonderful. You're like, I'm ready. I'm ready to meet this baby. Yes. And so, um, they, they put the little suction thing on his head Mm -hmm. and, um, I pushed twice and he was born. Like it was, it was, was it was pretty straightforward mm, vacuum. Oh yeah. It was very simple. Um, I pushed once and he crowned and then I pushed once and we got a shoulder and then everything, you know, 
came after that. Gotcha. And so gotcha. obviously I was like, just so relieved. Right, um, and I remember right. the nurse saying, she was like, Oh, he's going to be, a, he's going to be a pretty like big baby. Like right. he's, he's going to be a heavy baby. And I was like, really, how do you know? She's like, I can just, you know, they right. see lots of babies. Right. And so we did skin to skin, mm-hmm. um, for the first hour, which was amazing. Oh, did um, they do delayed core clamping? We did delayed cord clamping. Okay. Um, that was one of our, our wishes. So mm-hmm. they, they did delayed cord clamping. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they put him up on my chest and it was actually kind of funny. They put him really high up uh-huh. on my chest uh-huh. and I'm like looking, I'm like, I can't see him. I can't <laughs> see him. Where is he? Like, <laughs> and I was like, you're so close. I can't see you. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so we did skin to skin for the first hour, which was really great. Mm-hmm. And um, and they weighed him, and so he was nine pounds five ounces. Oh, so he was a pretty chunky guy. Yes, it was no a pretty wonder chunky guy. it was. You were tired, but trying yeah. to push that nine, nine pound baby out. He was a chunky oh, guy. My goodness, yeah. Did you he, have any tears at all? So I had a second degree tear. Okay, that's and not much. Yeah, I yeah I I. Again, with all the research that I had done before, I knew that that was going to be a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was kind of prepared just, you know, for that. And I don't know, because I still had an epidural at that point, but I distinctly remember when they were stitching me up, mm-hmm. I was like, this is really uncomfortable. Like, mm-hmm. this, is, this is like, this is uncomfortable. Like, not just like pressure or like, but pain, you know, right. you but feel like, like painful. This- the needle. Yeah. 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 And so I had to be like, y'all have got to do something like, so they gave me more meds, um, to, to help with that, which was much better. Um, okay. Okay. So yeah, they stitched me up and, um, I was like, okay, this baby is here. And like, now I'm a mom. <laughs> yes, and I can't return them. So yeah, right, right. <laughs> I keep yours. Yeah. So from the time that I walked into the hospital to the time I was born to the time he was born uh-huh. was a, almost 36 hours, just shy okay. of 36 hours. Okay. So okay. Um, I knew from again all of the research that I had done that it mm-hmm. could be days Mm -hmm. potentially. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I feel like for an induction, it wasn't bad, but when you're in it, it just feels like forever. (laughs) Right. 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 It it certainly can. It certainly can. It's like different people changing and it's like, but I'm Mm -hmm. still here. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Oh, and I forgot to ask, did your epidural, um, could you feel some with your epidural or was it super duper? Were you super duper numb Um, or do you remember? I feel like, well, I remember like pushing the button for more drugs okay. <laughs> at several points because I was like, oh. um, I feel like I felt some, I okay. was definitely not completely numb. Okay. Um, oh, and I do. So now that I'm like rehashing it again. Yeah. So I had back labor at one point, which I mm. knew was indicative, could be indicative of like baby's positioning. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the peanut ball came into play. Um, Cause I was like, y'all, my back is really hurting. Even though I had the epidural, I was like, my right. back is hurting. Right. So she flipped me onto my side uh-huh. and we did the peanut ball and probably I don't know, maybe five to 10 contractions later, uh-huh. it had resolved. And okay. so they were very, I, I, everybody was very excited about that. Cause I was yeah. like, he probably gonna, turned. Yeah. 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 So, um, 
yeah, the nurses were very helpful in getting my body into position because I was like, I can't, <laughs> I can't do much of anything right now. <laughs> and did you, did you breastfeed? I did. Um, so he was born with, um, was it low blood sugar, high blood? I think it was low blood sugar. Low, he was okay. born with low blood sugar. Okay. Um, and so we tried breastfeeding and again, that's another thing that like you can read and people can tell you what it's like, but until you have a baby that's trying to latch is it's a totally different ball game. Yes. Um, so we tried that with like intermittent success. So we did have to supplement with bottles in the hospital for the sake of his blood sugar. Sure. Um, and we were able to get that under control um, within the first 24 hours, which was really okay. great because um, okay. they were going to take him to the NICU for monitoring um, if his levels, you know, hadn't gotten to where we needed them to be. So right. uh, thankfully that was resolved and he got to stay with us the whole time, which was great. Um, and so I met with a lactation consultant, I think mm-hmm. twice in the hospital okay. and um, they were wonderful. I'm like, man, lactation consultants are like, the angels, <laughs> like they're amazing. 100%. Yeah. They just know so much and they've done, like they've helped, they supported so many women. And yep. so I really appreciated them. However, when we got home, um, cause I, they had me on a nipple shield, um, before they sent me home because they thought he had a high palate, which turns out he didn't have a high palate. We just weren't okay. latching correctly. So I was on a nipple shield and by day, like three. I'm in pain. Mm. My son's like screaming in pain. Like he's not happy. No one's happy. Okay. And so I was like, I need help right now. Like I need someone to come to my house and help me. Like I need help. And I had a really, that was a a big, probably my biggest postpartum frustration was getting support breastfeeding Mm. because it feels so immediate, like urgent. Like you need help. Like my baby's got to eat but I'm in pain and they're unhappy. And my husband's looking at me like, well, I don't have those body parts. Like I can't help you, you know? (laughs) And so I, I looked at like La Leche and, and and I think the area that we live in too is also not um, well serviced with those kinds of resources. So I think that was part of it. Um, But it was really hard. And so I actually Mm -hmm. ended up, um, one of the moms that went to our church mm-hmm. came over and kind of helped me. Like she's not trained or anything, but she breastfed, right. you know, three or four kids. And so she right. has the experience at least. Sure. So she was able to come and help until we were able to schedule with, um, the lactation consultant that was our pediatrician's office. Okay. So she was like, I can see you, but I can't see you for like a week. And I'm like, okay, and you're like, well, I, what, what am I supposed to do for What it? am I supposed to do right. for the week? So Um, so yeah, it was, it was a really big struggle. The Mm -hmm. first like three weeks, honestly, were really, really, really hard. And I was like, why am I doing this? Like, do I quit? You know? And so I stuck with it and I'm glad that I did. And, um, he was growing, gaining weight sufficiently. And so we breastfed till about four months. Okay. And then I just started having issues with supply. Like I was, he was eating more than what I could produce. And so we started right. supplementing and then eventually just for my mental health, yeah. I was like, we're going to have to call it quits. 
And that was a really big decision for me. I was very sad about it, Mm -hmm. but it was the right decision for me. Like Mm. as soon as I decided to like stop pumping and trying to supplement bottles, I felt so much better. Like Mm. it would, and it just was, I was like, oh, I can hand a baby to you to feed. I can hand a baby to you to feed. Like it wasn't all on me to be the person feeding. So I was really grateful (laughs) that, you know, that I made the leap after Mm -hmm. it was all said and done. Mm -hmm. It was an emotional Mm -hmm. decision, but um, it ended up being the right one for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's always a tough one. I I went through something similar myself and you, even though you know, like I'm the baby's going to eat, the baby's going to be fed. Mm -hmm. It's it's still hard. Yeah. 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 Hey, so you made it this far in the episode and I'm thinking it's because you enjoyed this podcast. Well, if that's the case, then I have a favor to ask. Creating and producing the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast has been one of the greatest joys of my life. I'm so grateful to have each and every one of you on this journey with me. Your support and engagement means the world to me and it's what helps keep this podcast going. But here's the thing. Producing a podcast involves time, effort, and resources from recording equipment to an editor, hosting fees, coordinating guests, countless hours spent researching and crafting content. It all adds up. And that's where I could use your support. I've never wanted to turn all about pregnancy and birth into a paywall. I want it to remain accessible to everyone. That's why I've set up a way for you to support the show financially if you're able and willing. If this podcast has helped you during your pregnancy, your birth, or your life, I'm asking you to consider contributing to the show. Your support will help cover production and team costs and ensure that I can continue delivering the episodes you love. So in the month of March, head to drnicolerankins.com forward slash support and contribute whatever you can. Your support, no matter how big or small, makes a significant impact. It helps us continue delivering high quality content and ensures the future of all about pregnancy and birth. Again, that's drnicolerankins.com forward slash support. Thank you so much for being part of the All About Pregnancy and Birth community. Now back to the show. And then when did your, um, when did you see your doctor postpartum? Was it not until six weeks? It was not until six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I knew that was like standard. And, and my postpartum appointment, like it was just so like nonchalant, I guess, mm-hmm. or it was just very basic. It mm-hmm. was, you know, I, I, thankfully I had a really good postpartum recovery. Like my physical recovery, by the time I was at my six week appointment, mm-hmm. I was, I won't Back say like a hundred percent, but I was okay. pretty close. Like sure. I had a very good recovery. Sure. Um, but even though, like, I don't know, I just feel like I'm like, ask me about my day. Like, let me tell you about my kid and how, like, you know, how many times I'm getting up at night or like, you know, just the, and also like, I think it would, I know this is something they screen for is like, um, postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the questionnaire, you know, has its place, but I'm also like, have a conversation with me. I don't think I had postpartum depression at that point. I think mine was a little later of an onset, like closer to like probably five or six months, Mm. uh, postpartum, but it just felt very like 
routine or mm-hmm. mechanical, like here's mm-hmm. this questionnaire. Okay. I'm going to ask mm-hmm. you this question, this question, this question. Okay. You're great. Okay. We're going to like send you on your way. So, right. um, right. yeah, I think it would have been great to have something at like two weeks. Cause I mm-hmm. remember calling my doctor and I was like, my feet are swollen. Like right. my feet are real swollen. Like right. why are my feet swollen? Right. And so it would have been nice to have a touch point at like maybe two or three weeks mm-hmm. to answer those kinds of questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I got the six week standard follow-up and okay. it was pretty standard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's just, we, we have to redo postpartum care in the United States. It's just, yeah. it's just really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there's, I mean, there's just no way around it. It's just bad. When, when you hear other countries and they're like, oh, a nurse comes to your house and this, that, it's like, mm-hmm. wait, what? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. it's one of those things yeah. that like, I never paid attention to cause I've never mm-hmm. been in, you know, a postpartum season before. Um, and so it's like, you don't know until you're there. And now that I've been through that, like I had a friend who got pregnant um, right before our son was born. And so I kind of got to walk with her through her pregnancy mm-hmm. and and trying to encourage her, you know, to advocate for herself and, and, and do the things, you know, that I felt like I had taken away from my journey. Um, but I was like, yeah, postpartum care is going to be this. I mean, you're basically on your own. Yeah. It's sad. Yeah. Not at least, at least from the medical system perspective, you're, you're pretty much, pretty much on, on your own, unfortunately. Yeah. 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 So, um, how do you feel overall about your pregnancy and birth experience? Um, so my pregnancy, like I said, the first large portion of it was pretty unremarkable, very, you know, run of the mill. Um, the last two weeks were brutal. <laughs> like they were very uncomfortable and mm-hmm. I had a hard time getting relief from all the itching and, um, yeah, it was really, really hard. So, and that is a big factor in us considering to get pregnant again is mm-hmm. like, I know that I can't get pups again, but cholestasis has a decent recurrence rate. And I'm right. like, man, one of the nurses in the hospital. She's like, yeah, I got it at like 16 weeks and had it, you know? And I was like, Oh, that doesn't sound pleasant for me. Like, I'm glad I got mine at least later, but if it's possible to get it earlier anyway. Um, but as far as my like birth experience went, it wasn't in some ways it wasn't what I envisioned, but I'm overall happy with how it went. And I think the, biggest contributing factor to that was the fact that I had done so much research and educating mm-hmm. myself that I kind of knew, I didn't know it necessarily the exact path that we were going to take, but at each decision that had to be made throughout my labor process, I knew, oh, my option is either this or this. And I felt like I c- could relatively know what to expect between sure. the two. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to choose this option. Um, and I think that really helped me feel empowered. And it wasn't just like I was in the hospital having this baby and all of these people are making decisions for me. Yeah, It was very, um, it was an empowering experience for yeah. me. So yeah, you were an active participant in, in yes. the process. Yeah. 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 So overall I am happy with it. Um, and I think, I mean, I got my sweet little baby boy yeah. and he's the best. <laughs> <laughs> so as we wrap up then, what is your one thing or one piece of advice that you would give to folks who are, are pregnant now? Oh man, 
That's like a big question. I know. Um, everybody always says that. <laughs> yeah. I would say, I would say, you know, have your expectations of what you desire for your birth, but hold those things very loosely and, and try to try to just go with the flow as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that and then educating yourself as much as you can on all of the different things that could potentially happen. Um, as far as interventions, I think that knowing what your options are can help you feel like you're more able to go with the flow. Um, if you kind of know what's available, you can kind of, to a certain degree, pick and choose kind of sure. you know, what you're, what you're comfortable with. And, uh, yeah, like I said, have your have your desires and make your wishes known, but hold them with very loose hands. There you go. There you go. All right. So where can women connect with you? You can say nowhere if you're not anywhere. <laughs> you know, I was saying I saw that and I was like, um, yeah, via email. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah, no, it's totally fine. If anybody wants to reach out to you, they can reach out to us. I don't like to put people's emails like in my Okay, perfect. Because it just it invites spam yep. and all of those kinds of things. But um yep. so yeah, no, totally, totally fine. Well, thank you so much. This was a great conversation. I am so grateful that you came on. You have such lovely energy and um, Oh, thank you so just much. A, just a joy to talk to you. And I'm grateful that I could help that you were part of the birth preparation course too. Yes, so. I am so grateful. <laughs> that I found you um, and and found your work. And I'm very grateful um, for practitioners like you that um, really try to approach the whole pregnancy and labor and delivery process through a place of empowerment. I'm very grateful. All right. Wasn't that a great episode? Megan has such lovely energy. I so enjoy talking to her and hearing her story. And I'm grateful that I got to be a part of her story through education from the birth preparation course. Now, you know, after every episode, when I have a guest on, I do something called Dr. Nicole's Notes, where I talk about my top takeaways from the conversation. Here are my Dr. Nicole's Notes from my conversation with Megan. One thing we didn't talk about in the episode is what is PUPS and what is cholestasis. So I want to tell you about that really quickly. So PUPS stands for puritic urticarial papules and plaques of pregnancy. And what it is, it's a rash that happens in pregnancy. It's itchy, have like bumps that tend to form in the stretch marks on your belly. And sometimes it can spread to other parts of your body when you're pregnant. The condition does not harm you. It doesn't harm your baby. It usually doesn't need any medical treatment, but you typically need something to help with the itching. So that's pups. It's an itchy rash that can happen during pregnancy, not a threat or danger or anything like that. Cholestasis, on the other hand, uh, the long name for it is intrahepatic cholestasis of pregnancy. But cholestasis is actually a condition that originates in the liver and it happens in late pregnancy. And this condition also triggers intense itching like pups can. However, typically cholestasis does not have a rash. And the itching of cholestasis typically occurs on the hands and feet, but it can occur in other parts of the body. And the thing about cholestasis that's different from pups is that cholestasis, there is a greatly increased risk of stillbirth. So we usually recommend labor induction in the setting of cholestasis. So that's pups and that's cholestasis. So I wanted to tell you about that. Okay, 
Other quick Dr. Nicole's notes. One of the things Megan mentioned is that her doctor was great and they would answer questions, but they weren't really educating or volunteering information. She needed to know what questions to ask. And let me tell you, that is extremely typical in the way prenatal care is provided today, especially by physicians. Unfortunately, doctors are busy. They have too many patients to see and not enough time. And they don't really have time for education. Education is generally relegated to handing out a pamphlet or something like that that nobody really reads, right? So you have to know what questions to ask. That is exactly why something like childbirth education is so important. And the birth preparation course is something that's going to be really helpful for you. So you know what questions to ask going into your appointments, especially going towards the end of your birth. Um, There's a whole module on making birth wishes or a birth plan. I say birth wishes because you can't plan birth. And it's questions for if you want unmedicated questions, if you want um, an epidural, just all kinds of great things for you to know. So you know what to expect going into your birth. So check out the birth preparation course. Again, that's drnicolerankins.com forward slash enroll. Another thing that Megan said, and I don't know if you heard this and we're like, oh my God, maybe you did, maybe you didn't, but she said she pushed for two and a half hours. That is really not a typical first birth baby at all. Pushing up to four hours is considered normal for a first baby and you have an epidural. So that's another thing that childbirth education will help you understand is that that is not something that's that's atypical. You can push for quite some time with the first baby. Sometimes you'll push longer. And four hours is like a mark when we should kind of evaluate and see what's going on. It's not a hard and fast, you have to stop pushing. Sometimes people occasionally push longer. Now, sometimes, of course, it can be shorter. Some people push for 15 minutes, 20 minutes. It really just depends. But again, childbirth education will help you know that something like that is not antis- not unusual. So two and a half hours of pushing is not that bad. And then the final thing I want to say is postpartum care in this country sucks. We know this. It's terrible. You know, we have a typically a six-week postpartum check, and there's just not much help in between then um, in terms of really supporting you in the postpartum period. That's the sad reality of, of care in the U.S. And one of the things that you very well may need help with is breastfeeding well before six weeks. Um, breastfeeding can really be challenging. I've always called it a labor of love. I've said that many times in the podcast. I felt like breastfeeding for me was a labor of love. So I loved how Megan had a mom friend who could who could help her with breastfeeding when she had an urgent need. Like I've always said, you should identify a lactation consultant, but sometimes you need somebody like right then who can maybe help you, talk you through something. And that may be a lactation consultant. Maybe they may be able to talk talk you through things or help you over the phone. But maybe if you can find a mom friend who can help you in the moment, who has breastfed, who can give you some words of advice or encouragement when you have that urgent need, just tuck that person in your back back pocket, have someone identified who you can call on if you need to. And then also regarding breastfeeding, it's okay if you stop, like do the best that you can, but it's okay if you stop, if you find that that's best for your health and your mental health, because you have to be your best self in order to give your best to a baby. Yes, we know that breastfeeding has lots of benefits, but a fed baby, of course, is the best baby. So it's okay if you stop. 
I would say don't beat yourself up, but we always beat ourselves up when we do things like that. You know, I still beat myself up about (laughs) stopping breastfeeding, even though my children are, you know, teenagers and healthy and smart and all that good, great stuff. But know that it is okay. Give yourself some grace. It's a, it can be a challenging process and again, a labor of love. So give yourself some grace with that. All right. So there you have it. Please be sure to share this podcast with a friend. Sharing is caring. Sharing helps more people to get all of this good, great information that we're given in the podcast. And it helps me to reach and serve more folks, which is my heart, soul, and passion in my work. Also subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to me right now. Leave me a review in Apple podcast. I love to read what you think about the show and it also helps other women to find the show. Also, you can follow me on Instagram. I'm on Instagram with Dr. Nicole Rankins, where we can continue the conversation there. I provide lots of great, helpful tips and inspiring quotes and fun stuff and videos. I do reels there. So come follow me on Instagram at Dr. Nicole Rankins. So that is it for this episode. Do come on back next week and remember that you deserve a beautiful pregnancy and birth. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.